better luck next time. Welcome back, Mississippi. I'm your host, Timothy Young, digital content creator here at Mississippi Votes. And today we have a jam-packed episode to kick us off with season two. We have a special guest, Portia White from N Citizen United and David McDowell of EQV Strategies. Today we're just going to be discussing the who, what, and how, all about what happened to the Mississippi ballot initiative process and the For the People Act. But before we go any further, I want to give a special thanks to Dre Dice Music for our brand new theme song that just played at the beginning of the episode. We appreciate you so much, Dre. Um, so quick, just to go ahead and hop into it, I wanted to know what you all's day-to-day -day work is uh, like and what does it include and what led you to pursue the career path you have followed? Sure, uh, I'll start. Um, so <laughs> whenever somebody asks me what day-to-day -day means, uh, what my day-to-day -day looks like, I have no idea how to answer, but uh, my day-to-day, -day, <laughs> luckily I picked a career where my day-to-day -day is never the same. Um, a lot of it honestly is emails, um, a good bit of like social media and like news just to know what's going on and what's happening so that I can be aware in real time of anything that we need to um, be uplifting or just anything that we need to uh, keep, on, keep on our radar as things are progressing. Um, also a good bit of it is meetings, meetings, meetings. We work with a lot of partners at In Citizens United, both on the state level and the national level. Um, and we work with a lot of legislators and we work with a lot of uh, members of Congress and policymakers and lawyers and all the people who sort of uh, do the behind the scenes work uh, to make sure that voting rights and um, anti-corruption uh, things are happening at all levels. And when people have questions or when organizers have questions, like it's a lot, a lot of meetings, especially in this um, COVID world, <laughs> a lot right. of Zoom meetings. <laughs> um, and to answer the second part of your question, I kind of feel like this work uh, was honestly like, uh, uh, God ordained for me. Um, I have been organizing around issues and stuff for a very long time, even before I knew that it was officially called organizing. Um, but I've always been very interested in making sure that whatever I do is uplifting Black people and making sure that young people and Black people's voices are heard in these conversations where we're often left out. Uh, so I graduated and was really lucky to get a job at Planned Parenthood uh, in Mississippi and be fighting for people in Mississippi, Alabama, and Georgia, and then um, have just really progressed since then. But I feel like I've always been, I've always known I was going to do movement and policy work and politics work um, since I was a kid. Thank you so much, Portia. It's crazy that you uh, mentioned um, kind of being divinely led to the work because I generally explain it the exact same way. It just kind of feels like you're drawn to the work. So I really do appreciate that answer because I definitely see myself within it. Um, David, you're free to go. Hey, um, 
Yeah, obviously, uh, divine uh, is is a theme here. Um, I I definitely just um, came into the work, and what's really been beautiful in in my mind is that it's it's kind of purified over time. Um, I began pure partisan work, and and you know just every day when you spend time in Mississippi. It, it really does become more and more of um, kind of a spiritual war um, for for the better good. Um, and, and what that has led for me is um, moving from partisan work to um, social justice advocacy in the Mississippi legislature um, to now I'm studying, uh, I'm in divinity school studying uh, both uh, standard uh, ordination track for the Presbyterian Church, but also um, a master's in public theology, which when we think about um, civic religion, we think about the worship of, of the flag um, or of individual uh, politicians or political ideas. And so the opposite of that being public theology, being the work um, that organizers all over Mississippi and, and you, Tim, and, and you, Portia, um, do uh, which is a, a, a focus on on the justice-driven work itself. I believe that that is um, the divine task um, asked of us from Jesus. So it it really does feel that way. I'm sitting here looking at a book, trying to get it in time. But but uh, Fannie Lou Hamer talked about it in that in that capacity as well. She she would sometimes hear debates um, from atheists who were um, participating in Freedom Summer, and she said, uh, don't talk to me about atheism. If God wants to start a movement, then hooray for God. And, and that's really where my heart is now. What that means in my work, uh, I, I try to take on social justice lobby, uh, lobby opportunities at the Mississippi Capitol. Um, sometimes it's really strenuous work, and it certainly comes a lot cheaper. Somebody, a pastor once told me he's never met a poor lobbyist, and I told him it was nice to meet him. Uh, and, <laughs> I give him my number. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but we are not poor in spirit. And um, it has been a great joy to be a part of the passage of really important legislation, life-saving legislation for organizations like the Mississippi Coalition Against Domestic Violence and being able to do voter advocacy work and voter initiative uh, advocacy work um, and justice work in general. So. Uh, that is kind of my, my professional role and my student role um, is absolutely supplemental to that um, and driven by that, by those values. David, I think you just made like an excellent point. Uh, we don't get to do this work for the money. Unlike people on the other <laughs> side, we do this work because this is our people and this is our mission and the, like, this is our community and this is who we have to show up for, right? We don't get to only look for the high paying jobs, right? Definitely. <laughs> it's a great point, but to every young person here listening, I know that it, things have already changed in such a positive direction um, on this front, but do not yeah. hear Portia and me saying when we say you don't have to make a lot of money to say that you don't have to make enough to survive. Absolutely. Um, so so I want, want people to hear that, that know what you are worth, know what you are bringing to the table and know what you need um, to get through it. Um, because um, 
you know, there are people, there, there are people in this movement who um, mar were martyred way too early, not because um, they, they were physically killed, but because they wore themselves down and they didn't give themselves space and they didn't, um, they, they were not given what they deserved. And so I know that's not what you were saying at all, Portia, mm -hmm. but um, I really hope everybody hears this. Uh, tell people what you need. That actually is a perfect segue, um, David, to my actual next question for you both. And that would be, what would be your advice to young people looking to get more involved in the political process beyond voting in elections? So I think you were, you were actually starting off really well. Sure. The other thing I would say is um, listen to the people who are, are trying to provide wisdom um, and then listen to um, the people that you are teaching um, because you are going to gain so many perspectives from, from both sides of that. And not everybody um, is going to um, come with the same level of wisdom. It's, it's not directly related to age, um, but it often is related to experience. And so really lean into to learning th new things all the time. And, you know, I, I think it's coming to be cliche, but, but recognize that in order to make a difference, we have to take an intersectional approach to this and recognize that, that the work we do should not come at the expense of our siblings, our, our fellow humans. Yeah, um, I would say a couple of things. Um, one, never forget about your organizing. Um, politics and like working on campaigns, it's great and lovely, but if you become disconnected with the communities that you're there to serve, then it really means nothing. And it, 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 I would say that organizing will always ground you. Um, <laughs> I have been an organizer for a very long time and yes, I'm a VP now, but any chance I have to get on the phones, to go knock doors, to do texts, to whatever, to go to community organizing meetings, I still do it because at the end of the day, it's the communities that we're there for, not any candidate, not any party, like it's our people that we're there for. Um, I would also uh, recommend issue organizing uh, outside. Of, it's the same thing as uh, what I just said before, but in a different way. Like I am a firm believer that candidates are great and getting that experience on campaigns is fantastic, but it only leads you to elections and takes you, but what are you doing between? And what you should be doing in between is really figuring out an issue that you are passionate about, learning about it um, and talking to other people about it at all times. Um, and back to David's point from the question before, please know what you are worth. Um, please know what it's going to take uh, for you to be able to survive, not just survive and struggle, but to thrive and don't accept less. Um, there, are, there are people out here who are willing to pay you for your experience and your knowledge. Even if you don't think that you have the experience, you probably already do because your, your lived experiences matter. So please make sure that you are um, finding positions that fulfill you uh, and that you're bringing everybody with you firm believer in uh, whenever I can provide opportunities to other people, I'm doing it. If I can bring people to a meeting up to the Capitol, if I can bring them to training, whatever, take everybody with you because this movement cannot sustain with just you. Um, I have a lot of friends who are having very serious health problems uh, and very serious, like, and people who have honestly passed on and didn't even reach 40 because we're uh, making this work unsustainable for just one person. So please take care of yourself and take care of your people and bring everybody with you so that somebody can take your job later. Trust me, it, it will make you a lot happier. I 
love how honest both of you are being. And I feel like this is definitely the space in order for us to be honest and to really give a, a open-eyed lens to what's actually going on and how we actually feel about this work. Um, so thanks to VP Portia, I definitely thought about, you know, what are maybe some things that have uh, set y'all back? Could y'all get into maybe what keeps you inspired and motivated in the face of setback and defeat? Uh, I'll start on this one. Um, so uh, because of the organizations that, organizations that I have worked for in the past and even some, some campaigns, not all, uh, I always feel like we're on the losing side. So here in Georgia as a lobbyist, uh, we have like two sides on the Capitol and we call the progressive side, the losing side, and then the high paying rich people, <laughs> the uh, winning side. And so I always feel like I'm on the losing side. Uh, but um, I think that the small victories, the stopping something terrible from being passed or getting something out of a bill or moving um, a lot of people to action, or it, there's small victories that you really do have to treasure. Um, there have been countless times when I'm at the Capitol, it's past midnight, it's like 2 a.m. We've been there for 17, 18, sometimes even longer hours. And the only thing that we can say at the end of the day is one, that we survived, and two, that we stopped a bunch of bad bills from passing. And those for me are wins. Um, even if some bad stuff happened, you gotta find the small wins. Um, I also love when I can bring in um, one, even one person uh, into this work and like really help them to open their eyes and see what's happening when they're not around, uh, bringing people to the Capitol, bringing people to the training, like those things inspire me. Um, I feel like a teacher that like sees somebody's lights, like the light bulb go off in their head when that happens. And that is um, definitely fulfilling. Um, but I also say the wins do matter, right? Like we right now are going to get the for the people like passed through Congress when everybody said that this is impossible for the past couple of years. This bill is going to happen. Um, and a lot of people are going to have better access to the ballot because of it, right? So I'm going to celebrate the big wins as well as my small wins, but make sure that you're celebrating whenever you can. I'm going to, I just 100% agree with you, Portia. I was just like clapping on mute the whole time. Um, mitigation is just some of the most important things you can do um, in, in, you know, so many aspects, but especially on the, on the local level, you know, thousands of bills come down the pipeline every year in the Mississippi legislature and very few of them survive, but a lot of them, you can, you can really get into the nitty gritty and make sure that they never see the light of day. And then some of my biggest victories have been, bills that have died on the floor at the last second based on whims and important conversations that were had in the hallways. And that can really, really um, sustain you for a long time because I've definitely taken more L's. Um, but, you know, there are things um, that you, you do hold tight on the victories. Um, there are victories that come by, you know, a lot of really heavy anger. And then I have found great joy in what I call common ground and not compromise. And, and th that's the minutia that, that you can make a difference um, in the day to day by seeking the exact point where we agree that can move things forward. And when you feel those, and then you, you get to see them in effect in state law for me, um, that, that is, is really heartening. 
Um, and, and it's, it's gotten me through some stuff as well. Um, and then, then there is the fact that I think I take a view of the world. I extended the arc of the work, the idea that, you know, there are a lot of, uh, nobody ever planted a tree for themselves. Uh, they planted it for the next person um, to appreciate and find find great joy in that fruit. And so there are some things that we are doing right now that uh, are are for the next uh, people to keep working on. And, and that is where Portia is right on about while you're doing the work to create that future, you're also including the future and that next group of people to take on uh, the job for you. I appreciate you both. Um, there was a moment in uh, Portia's answer where she had mentioned the For the People Act. So just to give the audience a little bit more clarity on what exactly she's referring to, the For the People the For the People Act, I'm sorry, is a transformative comprehensive bill addressing voting rights and election administration, money and politics, redistricting government transparency, and ethics. Many parts of the bill are reforms uh, that have successfully won at the state and local level, often with um, bipartisan support. But now for the For People Act is an opportunity to pass these important reforms at the federal level. So at the same time, as we're getting into it, because I do want to save that just for a little bit later, I do want to ask you all both, who is your civic engagement superhero? Who do you feel like champions legislation similar to this? I want to give a shout out to my uh, to, to my state representative in, in Jackson, Chris Bell of, of the Fighting 65th. Um, I, I have uh, always found him to be incredibly responsive and helpful. I have brought things to, to attention um, and he's been uh, so quick to taking on initiative for himself uh, and and he is always on the right side of of marginalized people and of justice and of uh, loving support of Mississippi. So uh, that's my guy on the local level. Um, I sure do love uh, Ayanna Presley. Um, I just think that she carries um, something, uh, a particular fire that that strikes me uh, as as just personally uh, in a different way. So th so those are my those are my two that I'm going to name drop. Uh, I cannot love the two people that you said more. <laughs> um, I will say, I mean, I think I would uh, be doing people a huge disservice if I did not mention Mississippi's own and Georgia's own Stacey Abrams as my civic engagement superhero. I think she's on everybody's list at this point. Um, I will also say that my current Congresswoman, uh, Congresswoman Nakima Williams, is um, probably my biggest superhero personally. Uh, so she actually hired me uh, fresh out of college when I was at Planned Parenthood. Uh, she was our vice president. Uh, one of our vice presidents at Planned Parenthood uh, for our region. And she taught me so much about strategy and engagement. And really, on, I think she might have been one of the first people to really instill in me how strategy um, and organizing uh, go hand in hand, like uh, legislative strategy and organizing go hand in hand. And also she was so big on like bringing everybody with you when we do stuff. Like there was never a point when it was like, oh, Portia's gonna go represent. She was always like, no, how many of your staff members can you take with me? How many organizers can you take with you? What's the budget? Like, how can we bring everybody along? And she instilled that in me um, before she was ever an elected 
uh, official. And then she went on to become a huge state senator, got arrested fighting for voting rights uh, at the Capitol, and then went on to um, take Congressman Lewis's seat um, in the Congressional 5th District, which is proudly my district. So she is um, one of my friends and like my advent and one of my absolute heroes. So big shout out to her. I absolutely love everyone that you all named. I actually grew up in like the neighborhood with uh, Chris Bell. So like having him always just also as like a part time father role as like I grew up was amazing because he's truly a man of just character. And of course, we love Stacey Abrams. So I'm so glad that I got to hear her name because she does amazing work. I also wanted to because like I said, we mentioned the For the People Act a little bit earlier. I wanted to know you all's thoughts on uh, Congressman Benny Thompson's decision to vote down on H.R. 1. Um, and if y'all could possibly give a little bit more clarity as to possibly why or, you know, what may have been a reason. Um, <laughs> since we are working on this bill uh, uh, very heavily and we've been leading the fight on this bill, I'll start on this one. Um, Congressman Thompson's uh, no vote was a surprise since he is a co-sponsor of the bill itself. Uh, there's only one Democrat in Congress period, who is not a co-sponsor and he's in the Senate. Uh, so I was very surprised to hear that my former congressman and um, the only Democratic congressman in Mississippi would vote no on such an important bill. I don't have insight into why he chose, why he voted no. Um, I know that there were some concerns um, with some CBC members around the bill, uh, around specific pieces of the bill. So I, I don't know if that was the reason, but uh, I was a little surprised since again, he's a co-sponsor of the bill. I would encourage everybody to call him and ask him uh, because, and to tell him that you do support the bill uh, so that when and if the bill comes back to the house, he votes yes. Um, he said that his reason was that his constituents didn't support it. So I would love for the people of Mississippi to make sure he knows that um, you do support it and that it's important uh, in order to reform the system that does not work for us anymore. The only thing I was going to touch on that Portia really had out the park is that uh, he said he heard from his constituents. Uh, unfortunately, I was not one of his constituents. Um, so I hope that he does hear from his constituents. He will have another opportunity to uh, make uh, an impact um, for uh, the future of this country's democracy. Uh, at this point, he has made an impact. Uh, doesn't feel like the right one. Um, I really, really hope uh, that we get full democratic support for the For the People Act. It. I hope we get all Republican support for the For the People Act as well. And I hope you call every single one of your elected officials um, in order to uh, get the point across that this is something we really need. Uh, even take the time to call the people who you think won't be listening. They still need to hear it. I definitely think that people still need to hear it. I think a, a major point of um, what you just said, David, is making sure that we hold people accountable. I feel like that's a very important part of how we push things that we actually want to see across and actually things that we champion for. And I agree with Portia as well, that there, that's a call that we can do to Benny Thompson, that we can we can actually uh, let him know and voice our concerns with you know his decision-making and who is it actually um, benefiting. Uh, my next question for you all would be included in HR1 are provisions that will restore federal voting rights for felons once 
they've been released from incarceration. Do the pros of the bill outweigh any cons it may have? <laughs> um, no, I think a, a free society um, must be a fair society uh, and vice versa. Um, and people who've served their time and, and have faced the consequences for their actions um, have done precisely that. And if we are ever expecting people to uh, become uh, full participants of our society, why we would restrict them from access to uh, their representation is confounding to me. So, uh, you know, there are a lot of, <laughs> there are a lot of bad people out there who get to vote. Uh, I'm not sure how someone who has served their time could be distinguished from any number of other uh, people who deserve the opportunity to vote. Agreed. Um, if we view um, the incarceration system as something that's supposed to be um, a rehabilitation system, then we should believe that once people have served their time, then they should be able uh, to vote. I definitely agree that the pros would outweigh any potential cons. I actually don't see cons with this, uh, but I think that you know if we're talking about reforming systems out here, uh, the best person to tell us how to reform uh, our criminal justice system should be somebody who's been through it uh, and they should be able to vote for elected officials who will uh, be committed to that sort of reform. It, it's an issue that they know deeply, just like we trust um, everybody else to vote uh, in ways that reflect their actual lives, then we should expect um, people who have been incarcerated, both currently or formally, uh, to be able to participate in the system as well. And Tim, you may touch on this, um, but I know it's something that Mississippi Votes cares about. Uh, one of the particularly cruel uh, rules that exists in the state of Mississippi is that a, uh, a, a felon who has lost their voting rights, the only way to get them back in the state of Mississippi is to actually be forced to petition a legislator, their legislator, that they have absolutely no role in choosing. Um, and that legislator must then sponsor a bill where they must get full support and then a uh, from all the members, and then also signed by a governor that they were not allowed to participate in the selection of. That is a, just the, the, the level of just for voter restoration, of rights restoration, uh, is, is particularly cruel to me, uh, precisely because they want to be able to choose their elected officials. Definitely. I'm glad that you brought up Mississippi votes, because we love Mississippi votes. Um, for you both, do you think federal legislation is the only possibility at changing Mississippi's voting laws or just the most likely? Uh, I think that the state-wide uh, election officials, like the Secretary of State, has been very clear that they don't want any changes to Mississippi's voting laws. So I think that the federal legislation is um, the best uh, option right now. And as a Black woman, the federal government is the only reason that I have the right to vote, especially uh, when I am from a state like Mississippi. So I think it is the best option. It is the most likely option because it's 
very clear that Mississippi uh, statewide elected officials don't want things to progress. They've been very clear. Secretary of State uh, himself just said this year that he doesn't want quote unquote woke college kids to be able to vote. Uh, he doesn't want white, uh, excuse me, woke college kids to be able to vote. Um, and I think that we know exactly who he's talking about when he says things like that. Um, it's also been clear when Mississippi refuses to have things like online voter registration, automatic voter registration, um, early voting, anything like that, uh, no excuse absentee voting, that it's clear that they do not want everybody to be able to vote. So I think that uh, the For the People Act and federal legislation is the best chance we have at um, moving things forward. 100% agree. I think we need to get out there and fight the good fight on the local level. Um, people like uh, that people that we've named so far, like Chris Bell, like um, Zakia Summers are going to come out and, and provide good positive examples for what Mississippi could be. Uh, the likelihood of that stuff moving uh, forward is not stellar. It doesn't mean that um, any of us are saying that you should not be on the on the front lines making those calls. Uh, but at the moment, the US Congress and Joe Biden are our best hope at this. And that is um, why it's so important that we get this done uh, leading up to the elections in 2022 and um, ensuring that we hold um, those chambers with a uh, majority of people who support voting rights. Thank you. Uh, I know for a lot of local Mississippians, uh, a big issue for them was watching uh, a lot of the ballot initiative process in Mississippi take place and a lot of, you know, their votes and their concerns being kind of thrown out and just kind of undermined. And I wanted to ask, you know, you both, have we seen the end of the ballot initiative process in Mississippi? Or do you think there's possibility of what it could look like in the future? Are there possible solutions possibly? I sure hope we have not seen the end of the ballot initiative in, in Mississippi. And, and I, I think that the vast majority of the people agree with that. And I think that it, this is one of those things that we can uh, really put our energy toward bringing back. We probably have a number of unlikely allies, people who we might often find ourselves um, in, in real disagreement with, who are also interested in direct democracy work. That is uh, incredibly important for us to keep our, our foot on the pedal. There are some things, uh, the way that the Supreme Court struck the voter initiative down, that's probably going to slow down the process just a little bit, um, in part because um, in the ruling, uh, the legislature was given the go ahead or to to make the fix. Um, they're going to have they're going to be given plenty of time uh, to make that fix before an appeal is likely to be successful. Uh, so we want to maintain the pressure. We want to get it going as quickly as possible. And we do think that that's something that we can get done in next legislative session, um, if not in a special session prior to that. Uh, but but there are, there has clearly been a backlash. It is a nonpartisan backlash. People are mad. People believe they have the right to this. They feel um, like it's being taken away because they support things that um, 
the major that the people in charge might not support, whether that's uh, medical cannabis or uh, what was obviously going to be an upcoming uh, initiative about Medicaid expansion or even more voting rights and all of these things that the people of Mississippi are aligned with uh, are things that were currently limited because of the ballot initiative process um, was struck down. So it, it should be a priority. Uh, it is something that I, I think we can also um, work toward actually achieving. Um, and so I would encourage everybody to stay, stay on that. That is, that is access to power that has been stripped away and it is access to power that, that can be gained back. Completely agree with David here. Um, this is one of the few ways that uh, Mississippians can have a real um, impact on literally our constitution and legislation. Um, I know that even with the ballot initiative process before the legislature has continuously tried to subvert that process, uh, but I do not think that this is a process that should be done away um, and that Mississippians should allow to be done away with. Um, Y'all have more of a voice than you think so. And I think that if people are raising hell about the fact that they um, have continually not just subverted the process uh, in the leg- like in the actual legislature and like creating a, a part B and make it really difficult to get them passed. But uh, the fact that they knew that uh, what just happened with the marijuana ballot initiative, uh, they knew that this was a problem and refused to fix it for a long time. I think that if you continue to apply pressure and hold uh, your legislators accountable, that this process will continue. Hopefully we revised in a way that continues to make sure that Mississippians voices are being heard. Um, and it's just necessary. The states that don't have a ballot initiative process um, are some states that don't have a lot of very progressive uh, or at least um, even mildly progressive <laughs> laws in place uh, for voters. There also tend to be uh, the same states that tend to uh, continuously suppress voting rights in this uh, con- in their states. So I would hope that Mississippians continue to put pressure uh, on their legislators to keep this process because I think it's uh, beyond important that Mississippians have more of a say in what's in the constitution. I appreciate you both so much for joining me. I appreciate all of you all's input. I appreciate all of you all's opinions. And most importantly, I appreciate that you all gave me your time. Um, at this little final stage, I just wanted to know, is there anything that EQV Strategies or In Citizen United have coming up? And how can our listeners, our students and supporters learn more about the work of you both? Hey, look, I'm taking a break for a little while, so I, I'm probably going to uh, go dart from a professional standpoint, but what I will not be uh, getting rid of is my email, which is david at eqvstrategies.com. If you have any questions about the process, I am here to help answer those questions. If you need people, uh, if you need help directing uh, your energy toward an organization in Mississippi, I would encourage you to go to Mississippi Votes first with that energy. And if not, I can help you find something um, even more. Or in addition to Mississippi Votes, I can I can help you with that. I um, am a true believer in Mississippi Votes. I am so grateful every single time uh, y'all uh, reach out to me for help. And so anybody listening to this podcast is Uh, the sort of person that I want to help as well. So um, please um, 
just feel free to reach out. But thank you so much for having me, Tim. Uh, thank you so much for uh, letting me uh, jive with you, uh, Portia. It's 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 always a blessing. So appreciate you. Uh, Co-sign David here. Uh, I highly encourage everybody to get involved with Mississippi Votes on the local level. Um, I think that the work that uh, they're doing is incredible, uh, especially with getting previously um, uninterested or unengaged uh, parties uh, involved in the process. I love the creativity uh, that Mississippi Votes has in getting people um, excited about something that um, maybe they don't think about as often as those of us who work in the space do. Um, on a national level, uh, definitely would encourage everybody to one, get to know a little bit more about the For the People Act that is getting passed, y'all, I'm telling you. Um, find out what's in it um, and speak up about it. You can go to actforthepeople.com, that's A-C-T-F-O-R-T-H-E-P-E-O-P-L-E.com uh, to directly call or email your uh, Congress, your members of Congress, uh, and tell them what you think about the For the People Act so we can get this thing done. The For the People Act would do a lot of the things that we want uh, in a state like Mississippi, like enact automatic voter registration. So it's more of an opt out system. Uh, we'd be able to give rights to formerly incarcerated people so that they can vote. We'd be able to uh, do things like early voting, which, you know, crazy that Mississippi doesn't have that yet, but have a, a mandatory 15 days of early voting in a state like Mississippi so that people don't have to take off work uh, in order to vote. It can be a lot more convenient. Have things like um, no excuse mail-in ballots so that during a pandemic, people can vote without having to go in a room with a whole bunch of people. Um, so it's a great bill. I would encourage, again, everybody go to the actforthepeople.com website to find out how you can get more involved. Also, we have tons of volunteer opportunities and events so that um, people can uh, can get involved, uh, can get themselves involved and can get their friends and their family involved and people across the country involved in this fight. So thanks so much for having us, Timothy. I really have enjoyed this. Thank you so much, David and Portia. Uh there's something that Portia said that I definitely want to speak to, which is the importance of letting those who have been through the system and been through this process and allowing them to tell their own stories. I remember we had a dinner um, with a lot of the legislature here in Mississippi, and we had a special guest, Desmond Mead, who was the executive director of the Florida Rights Restoration Coalition. And he came and he told a story about uh, the difference between commitment and a contribution. And he gave the analogy of a ham and cheese omelet. And he mentioned how the cow contributed to the omelet by providing the cheese and how the chicken provided to the omelet by providing the egg. But it is the pig who gave his life for the commitment to the omelet. So when we think about telling stories about felony rights restoration and even further stories about the actual injustices that are going on when we talk about these group of people, we should allow them to be the forefront of the conversation. We should be allowing them to tell their story and talk about the ways and the changes that they see fit because that is truly how we push the actual conversation. It's not by having a bunch of legislators in a room and discussing what we may think be what we may think is needed for them or what we may think is an actual solution, but rather having those who made a commitment be in the front of those conversations. In that same breath, we can also look at the numbers. 235,152 people are disenfranchised, which means cannot vote due to felony conviction in Mississippi. That's nearly 11% of the state's population. 62% of the people incarcerated on parole or probation in Mississippi are black, while black people make up less than 40% of the state's population. To me, the numbers are only pointing towards a 
commonality that there is something wrong with the system that we have currently in place. All right, well, it seems like we're approaching the end of our show. I want to give another special thanks to our special guests, David McDowell and Portia White. I appreciate you all for joining and giving us your insight and uh, opinions to our conversation that we've had today. Better Luck will return in September. We're going to have a new episode with new guests, and it'll be about student activism. Thank you all for having me as your host, and don't forget to stay vocal, act local, and it's up to us. And make sure you come back. Better luck next time. Better luck next time. Better luck next time. Wake up, everybody. We got things to do. Uh-huh. Choices to make that affect me and you. Yeah. History repeats itself if you don't correct it. That's why we call them to tell us what's expected. Fool me one time, then it's shame on you. Facts. Try to fool me twice, but now I know what to do. Facts. You win some, you lose some, and that's just fine. But you keep coming back. Better luck next time. Better luck next time.